Hello, thank you for joining us here at Lowell Assembly's online service. My name is Pastor Paul. I'm the lead pastor here, and thank you for letting us have the privilege of speaking in your life. I have a message that I really believe is going to, to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you to refocus in the right direction. And so if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 21, Luke 21 in verse 25, actually verse 20, uh, 25. I'm going to read that to you, but we're going to look at the whole chapter. I want to talk to you about looking in the right direction, looking in the right direction with your life, not looking out at the disaster, not looking in at your deficit, but looking up to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would help me to say what needs to be said. They're your words. Help me not to dirty them or drop them or make them less than what they were intended to be. I pray that the power of your spirit would be sensed with this message and that your presence would reach into wherever people are, that they would know that you're a God that is not in a building or in the sky, but you sent your Holy Spirit alongside of us, the, the, the comforter, the paraclete, the one called next to us. That's what it means, that you're here with us now and you wanna speak to us. Give us ears to listen and lives to yield to you in Jesus' name, amen. Let me read it. Jesus, is, this actually, this chapter has a parallel to it in Matthew 24, but I, I wanna read specifically, let me start at, read verse 25 and forward, focusing in the right direction. Jesus says this, there'll be signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars, and on the earth, distress, of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. That sounds like a tsunami if I ever heard it. People fainting with fear and with forbearing of what is coming on the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. In other words, everything on the face of the earth is in disaster crisis mode. And then he says this important part, which is really these two verses are the, are, are the point of what I want you to catch here. And they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise up your head because your redemption is drawing near. I love how the King James says it like this. When you see these things begin to come to pass, lift up your head because, and look up for your redemption draws nigh. Jesus here is, is trying to make a point. And the reason he's trying to make this point is because of the perspective that his disciples had. They were always focusing on the wrong things. If you're anything like me, you have attention deficit hyperactivity, oh, shiny disorder. In other words, something glitters and your attention is just off to that and, and on to the next thing. Or maybe you have the opposite problem and you're so focused that you drive through and you bulldog through and, and you block out everything else around you. Whether you're ultimately distracted or you're overly focused in the wrong direction, Jesus is telling us through that verse to make sure that you're looking in the right direction. And that is up when everything is going crazy out and around you because Jesus is coming back. This truth is found right in the book of Acts. It's a, it's a doctrinal 
truth we call the second coming of Jesus. In other words, the same Jesus who was born of Mary, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, took everybody's sin to the grave, offers to us a fresh start, a new beginning, a, a, a grace that, uh, that has, a, has forgiveness for our flaws, that sees us at our worst moments, still thinks the best of us. That same Jesus who then not only took our sin to the grave, but conquered death, the one thing that every single one of us has to face, rose from the dead, he's there. And in Acts, the disciples, he's already shown himself to his mother Mary, to Mary Magdalene, to, to the 12 disciples, at one point to 120 people. And even in the book of Corinthians, it says he showed himself to 500 people. Listen, in, in a court case, we call that clear and convincing proof. You've got 500 witnesses here, 250 witnesses there, 120 here, <laughs> you've got, you've got, 12 here, one here, one there. Thomas even says, I won't believe unless I put my finger in his hand and into the hole where they pierced him so that I know that I know that I know that this is Jesus. Listen, you can call him Doubting Thomas, but Jesus doubled back to help give him that solid touch faith to say, Thomas, start, stop doubting, believe, believe. But the, the problem that we have is, is whether we're overly focused or we're overly distracted, we've got our attention in the wrong place. Jesus is there, he, he's with the disciples, but now he ascends into heaven. And it says in Acts chapter one, verse eight, it says this, Jesus says to them this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. That would be like me saying, you will be God's witnesses in your hometown in the greater Lowell area, in Massachusetts, in the United States, in Europe, and in every single place to the four, to the to four corners. We don't, the world's not flat anymore, but to every single part of this world, you're going to be a witness for me. But the only way that that happens is as if that power from heaven is on us, that we call it and say, God, fill me with your presence. You see, God is on the throne and Jesus is no longer gathering groups of 12 people and wearing sandals and walking through the Holy Land. He's at the right hand of God. But Jesus said, listen, you're not in this alone. I'm going to send my spirit and he is going to be with you. And he is going to do one thing and one thing only. He is going to continually redirect your attention up to Jesus, up to God, up in the right direction. Why? Because this world is filled with the wrong things to focus on whether you narrow your focus or you're easily distracted. In fact, you got to go to the beginning of this chapter to really catch this because Jesus's words talking about the end times, when he comes back, he just breezes through the disasters of our time. He's hanging out with the disciples in verse five, chapter 21, verse five. He says, while, they were while some were speaking in the of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and, and offerings, he said this, he says, as for these things that you see, the days are coming where not one stone will be left on another, but they'll all be thrown down. And the disciples now all of a sudden they're like shocked. You got, you got to understand, you got to picture this. In Jesus's day, the seven wonders of the world, one of those seven wonders was this temple that they're at where Jesus is, is teaching and the disciples are there. It was described by a historian at that time that everything that was not the purest of white of marble was overlaid with gold. It was, it was, it was jaw-dropping. Probably the closest thing to that in our country are, if you, are the, the castles in England. And in America, you can go to Newport and you can tour these incredible um, 
mansions. There's one particular one I always like to go to. It's called the, the Rosecliff Mansion because they have a room in it. It's called the Gold Room. And you can look up and somebody just said, I have too much money to waste and I have too much uh, of a thing for bling. So why don't we just make this room out of gold? And it's carved and it's ornate. And it's it's just, it must've been, it was it's amazing even now, a little under a hundred years after it was made, it must've been incredible, but it was brand new. And it would be like, gee, you know, somebody coming in there saying, see this house, it's gonna be, it's gonna be nothing. It's gonna be rubble, garbage. Sometimes we focus in the wrong direction, don't we? We're, we're so overwhelmed with, with life and purpose and, and accomplishing things and goals. And you know, the, the truth is, is that God wants our undivided attention. And instead of us, you know, the, instead of us going through life being just uh, over impressed by all kinds of things around us, we should be asking God to impress his spirit in us and to help us to discern things through eternity. Think about that. There's a temporal building, one of the ancient wonders of the world. I can take you there, and I take people on a regular basis there, and there at the corner at the end of the temple is a big pile of giant stones. Literally, Jesus' words fulfilled right in front of us. Every, not one stone laid on another. All that's left is the foundation. In fact, the Romans so utterly destroyed that city, they only left three buildings standing. The entire city was leveled. And there it is. I, I, now, when I take these trips, I love history. My son, Andrew, uh, he, he has a love for history like I do. Recently, he took us to a place called Winnikinney Castle. We, he, we went in the backwoods, and he brought us to this old uh, mansion ruins, is the best way I could describe it. The, the building was no longer standing. They had knocked it down and leveled it for safety reasons back in the 1940s. But it was a building of a man who had Alexander Graham Bell living there, tutoring his deaf son, and he underwrote the, the funding of the telephone. I mean, it's just amazing. Like, I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is, this is kind of cool. I'm like right in a place where Alexander Graham Bell is. In fact, if you Google Alexander Graham Bell's voice, he, there's a recording that you can hear what he sounds like. It's, it's the, one of the oldest recordings. I love history, I love that stuff. Our, my, son's niece, my son's cousin, Liza, and Liza, I love you. Thank you for the story. I get so much mileage out of it. But she went on a trip to Israel and she's like, Uncle Paul, I'm going to Israel. Um, you know, I'm excited. I'm going with my college. And I was like, oh, that's great. I used to take college students and professors and people. And let me, let me show you this. Let me show you that. But while she was going to Israel and she loves Jesus and she, she is a follower of Christ and she was going on this trip for credit, she was so overwhelmed. It was like she said, Uncle Paul, I know all these places you told me to look, but by the time the trip was over, she was like, please, no more rocks, no more rocks. You know, maybe maybe history in that sense is just like, it's not your thing or whatever, but it's amazing that we read a Bible and we talk about the life of Jesus that is not a long time ago in a land far, far away, but these are, these are real places. These are real things. These are things written about not only in the Bible, but outside of the Bible, that destruction of the temple found in the historian Josephus, who wasn't a Christian, talks about the same thing. And Jesus looks at and he says, you see that building? Garbage. It's going to be rubbish. It's going to be a pile of trash heap. And the disciples are like, oh, man, how, wait a second. This is so good. I mean, they just thought like they were going to just occupy the temple. So many times we have our attention on the wrong thing. Why? Because listen, you're born, you live, and you die. What's the reason for your life? Oh, to 
to get a career. Okay, get a career, to have a family. Have a family isn't why you're in this life, it's, it's how you came into this world. But Jesus is saying, stop trying to interpret everything by looking out, focusing in, getting distracted away from, and start looking up. Get your attention in the right place. Why? Because there's coming a day where Jesus is coming back. The same Jesus that rose from the dead is coming back to take back this world for himself. And the disciples were just blown away. And they said, well, Lord, what's the sign? What's the sign? We're talking end times here, right? The second you start talking about that, any of us that are in the church over the age of 40, we instantly tune in because we're like, we're constantly grew up in a generation where somebody was taking the Bible over here and a world event over there and trying to match it up. Let me tell you what, in World War II, we, we, we talk about being in difficult times, but if there was ever anybody that fit the profile of the Antichrist, Hitler was it. If they were always saying, What's the mark of the beast? Oh, it's, you know, it's the social security number. It was, it was the tattoo that was marked on the arms of people that I got the honor and privilege to know who were Holocaust survivors. I mean, if ever there was a world and a time in history where it was like that, that it could have fit this taking world history and overlaying it over biblical prophecy, my goodness, it was that. And if that was bad, and it's how bad is it gonna be when that time in history comes? But what I find is that sometimes when it comes to end time stuff, we focus in the wrong direction. Because the whole purpose of this is not to look out at this and out at that and out at this, it's to look up. It's to look to Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit and the power was there for, to empower us, to be a witness for Jesus. Not that we would look out at our career, not that we would look out at our family, not that we would look out at our 401k, but we would look up at our Father and we would say, God, give me power that I overcome this world instead of being overcome by it. Help my life to make a difference for eternity. Help me not to just simply pass the time, but to redeem it and to be glorified through my life. Our church, we exist for four reasons to know, help people know who God is. His name is Jesus. He died for you. He rose from the dead and you, he wants to forgive you of your sin and take that shame and guilt away from you, but then grace you into a relationship to live right for him, not because of punishment, but because of his power that can help us to live a, a, a godly life. But two, to know God, to find freedom. It is so hard living a Christian life, things still cling on us. It's like sterling silver. You leave it out and it all tarnishes just because of the environment. We're in a world where we need to continually be seeking God. Lord, help me find freedom so that I'm free, not just to be free, but free for you to do what you want me to do, to be who you called me to be. You're not here by accident. You're here with a purpose. God wants you to find freedom. And then the last two are crucial. And there's the last two are part that most Christians don't get to. They know God, they might find freedom, they, kind of rec they become part of a recovery group and they just kind of hang out and pass the time and show up at church and chuck a buck in the offering and that kind of thing. But they never go and say, help me discover my purpose. God, why am I here? Why am I here? And then not only discover that, it's one thing to know something about yourself. It's, we have all these tests, you know, you can do the Enneagram and you can do the Myers-Briggs and you can do uh, all of these tests and you can know so much about yourself and you can get degrees of knowing things about yourself and you can, you can just be so well-informed and still not do anything with it. You were made so that God could show the world who he is through you because there's no other you like you. 
He wants you to know him, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in this world, an eternal difference, not being focused on your goals and bulldozing through life, not being scattered and distracted and chasing everything that glitters, but that you're not looking out at your problems or out at your, your little tiny life, but you're looking up to your God and you're saying, Jesus, help me to live my life for eternity, to make a difference and, and to be who you're calling me to be, to do what you want me to do. And that takes different shapes and different different places. It doesn't have to be somebody who's in ministry, but I tell you, if there's ever a time in history where we need people to say, God, here's my life, do with it whatever you want. Now's that time. Now's that time. And he says to them, listen, let me give you some signs. Let me, let me just give you some markers here. And so he goes through real quick and he says, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. I mean, there have always been wars. There'll always be wars. Um, there, there have always been dictators. There always will be dictators. There's always wickedness, sin, evil, and warmongering. There always was. There always will be. Evil is evil until God reclaims this world for himself. He says these things are going to play out. And then he goes on and he says to them, listen, there's going to be pestilence, famines, earthquakes. But here's the thing. A life that is focused in the wrong direction, looking out, can focus on trying to play the matching game with Bible prophecy and problem and say, here it is and there it is. And Jesus warns and says, listen, many people will say, this is, the, this is him, here he is. He says, don't, don't do it. There'll be no doubt when I return. But sometimes we do it with biblical prophecy and we get so obsessed with trying to, to match up the event and world history with that, that we forget the purpose of why Jesus is doing it. He says, but before all this, they will lay their hands on you. Verse 12, before all this, they will lay hands on you. They will persecute you and deliver you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for not my name's sake. And listen, why? This will be your opportunity to bear witness. The witness that Acts 1.8 talks about. The witness that literally means to, to, to literally be a martyreo, the same word used for martyr. To be living not for yourself, but dead to yourself and alive for the purpose of God. He says, that's the reason that you're in this. Don't focus on trying to see how bad this will be or how good you could make your life or how well you could insulate your life. But be a witness for me. You might not go through persecution. We had, have had many people through our church who have come here, two in particular, Pastor Daniel Messiah and Pastor Wally Mungandal, who just recently has recovered from COVID. It nearly took him out. Pastor Wally, we, we thank God for what happened. I never thought, I, I, I'm sorry for sounding like a, a, a doubter. Uh, my faith was, when I heard you talk, I wondered if you were gonna make it. But here's a man who was beaten for Jesus, who was imprisoned for something like nine months in a cell the size of of a closet, a, 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 a toilet was a hole in the ground, bare naked, a death sentence to have himself decapitated, them telling him over and over again, deny Jesus, uh, embrace Islam. And every time he said no, they beat him. They caused him to suffer. Listen, that there is a witness. You may not be called to that kind of witness, but you, you have to understand that there are people witnessing your life and you may be the only Jesus that they ever see. And Jesus says, hey, don't look at this and that and that. Let them look at you and see me. The word Christian literally means little Christ. He goes on a little bit further and Jesus begins to say, hey, let me tell you more stuff. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies. And then he talks about, man, it's going to be bad. 
Pray that women who are pray for women who are pregnant and especially those that are nursing. My goodness, it's going to be so bad. Jesus is going on and on and on and on. And then he says there'll be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. And 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 he's saying, listen, that you want to hear what the signs are. Let me get to the point. And Jesus says this. He says, listen, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud in power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up your head. Straighten up, raise up your head because your redemption draws nigh. My question for you is this, is your focus in the right direction? Are you looking out at the problem? Are you looking in at your own desires for your life? Or are you looking up to the God who created you for the power that he has for you, for the purpose that he wants to give you and saying, Lord, not my will, thy will be done. Not my stuff and things, it's yours. Not my life and not what I have for me, but it's for whatever you want to do. You're here for a purpose. You're here for a purpose. I want to close with this thought and this passage. Why would Jesus go through all that? You know, I, I can identify with loving to try and figure out and say, man, what's happening in the world? This is end times prophecy. Everything is end time prophecy. Everything. We are in the last of the last days. There is nothing holding back the return of Jesus Christ according to biblical prophecy. Nothing. He can come back. In fact, the Bible says this. That when the Son of Man comes back, one of the Gospels, he says that, that, that like the days of Noah, they were eating and drinking, being married and given in marriage. Then he came like a thief in the night. It's so easy to be hyper-focused on your goals that you plow through life and you never look up and say, God, what do you want from me? It is so easy to just wander through life totally distracted and never say, God, am I focused on the right things? Whatever, whatever deficiency you have in that area, the same God for all of us wants us to look and focus in the right direction on him. Why? Because verse 34, 20, chapter 21 of Luke, but watch yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life and the day come upon you suddenly like a trap for it will come on all who dwell on the face of the earth, but stay awake at all times praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the son of man. My friend, in one day you will die or Jesus will return. And I can't tell you which is coming first, but the truth is, is your life is a little dash between four numbers of when you were born and four numbers of when you will die. And what you do in between there with that little dash determines the outcome of eternity. You weren't able to decide who would be your parents, whether you were tall or short, whether you were handsome or a little bit lighter looking, whatever you want to, you don't have any say in that, but you have say on who's Lord of your life. Is it going to be him or is it going to be you? Because you can't save yourself. And in fact, here's the thing. I've watched people in ministry my whole life, trained for Bible college. I spent 12 plus years training people to do minute all over this world. I'm so honored. I can't take credit for any of their lives. All over this world, there are people all over this country, all over this county, all, all over the, the world that are serving Jesus that I had the privilege of, of taking who God was in me and imprinting it in their life. I can't take credit for them. They've, they've done what they've done with their life because they've surrendered and yielded to him. But I've also watched many people who've gone through that process and yet they become the fulfillment of that prophecy. They become despondent, displacent, complacent. They focus on the wrong things. They drown their sorrows. They ruin their marriages. They, they try to insulate their life from, from poverty and pain 
only to realize that they focused on themselves their whole life and missed the whole point of it. And let me tell you something, the world, does, God doesn't focus on using just people with Bible college educations. He wants to use you. There is no other you like you in eternity that will ever, ever was or ever will be. He wants to use you for who you are, but he can't do that if you're looking out, you're looking in, you're looking around instead of looking up. Are you looking in the right direction? Jesus says this, don't worry about the signs. They're plenty. They always have been around. They always will be. Question is, are you looking out or are you going to look up and say, oh God, you haven't left me alone, but you said that you would send your Holy Spirit. I just pray that you would give God a chance to be Lord of your life. I love how Mark Batterson says it. He says, either Jesus is Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. You can't let Jesus be your bankruptcy lawyer and expect him to be your financial planner. Is he Lord of your finances? You can't ask him to be Lord over your children and not be God over your marriage. It doesn't work that way. You can't ask him to be the savior of your sin and not the director of your life. You can't tell him that he gets this portion of your life on Sunday and maybe occasionally on Sunday, and that he doesn't have rights to any other part of your life. It doesn't work that way. Are you looking in the right direction? Are you looking at the right Lord? Are you looking for his returning? The Bible says that there's a crown for those who expect his coming. And I don't know if you or I will be alive for that, but I know this, one day we will definitely be dead. And though your body dies, your soul is eternal. Eternity, God's what, that's what God wants to change through your life. And that's my prayer for you, that you would take your eyes off of the wrong focus, put it up to God, let him to pour out his power and his purpose in your life to make a difference for eternity. You have one life to live. Someone said it like this, one life to live, it soon will pass. Only what's done for Christ is what's left. Get your eyes off of the signs and put them on the Savior. Don't let him be Lord of portions of your life. Either he is Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. And it's time we give his full attention like a king worthy and yield to that saviorship and that lordship into every area of our life. And that's my prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you take our eyes off and take it out of all of the distractions in our world and in our life, all of the wrong focuses, all of the wrong endeavors that we're giving our time, treasure, and talent to, and we would begin to look up to you. Jesus is coming back, and we will stand before you and give an account of our life, and we ask you, Jesus, that you would help us to not look for the signs, but to look for the Savior. And Lord, maybe looking up means looking out at things in front of us and saying, what would Jesus want me to do? And whatever that is, that we would yield to it. We would partner with you. I pray lives would be changed for all eternity. People would be called into ministry for you, even as I'm praying here, Lord, that people would begin to say, there's more that you want from me, God, and I've held out on you, and I give it to you freely. I give you my life. I give you all that I am and all that I have. I just give it to you, and I entrust it into your hands. Lord, let me not just invest in a building that burns to the ground, but help me to invest in eternity, to find you, discover freedom, discover my purpose, and to make a difference. Lord, that's what we want, and that's what we pray.
That's what we give you as our life today. We are the sacrifice that we offer to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Look up, look out, find a need and meet it, find a hurt and heal it, and find the joy of serving, because if you find the joy of serving, you'll never want to be served again. God bless you. We'll see you again next week. Thank you so much for joining us for online service today. Be sure to check out our website, lowellag.org, for all information and updates. See you soon.